I got doubting Thomas the first time, and this time I've got Thomas again asking for clarification, and this time he's joined by Philip. I want more information. I want more data. Just give me these things and I'm in, which is hard. So we're continuing with this topic of uh, forward in faith, and this time we're focusing on that word hope, and that was a word particularly that struck me about this teaching this week, particularly the hopeful statement that... um, You will do even greater things. Following Jesus is pretty great. If we imitate Jesus, that's really good. But greater things is what Jesus promises. And that's unbelievable. I was struck by that message and struck then by that word hope. Even more impressive was then to hear the Hackmans talk as we're doing this interview. They talk about their hope. Their hope of being a part of a community that would love their kids, a community that would help them, that would support them. I didn't realize that that baptism was so profound about saying, we as a community are going to help be a part of shaping you and your family. And that that was a hope for them, that they would find a community that does that. It's a powerful thing. I don't think that comes as a surprise to many of you though, right? Um, we are a people of hope. We worship a God of hope. We, uh, on Christmas, hear the story of God dwelling among us. We're fulfilling that hopes of prophecy and hopes of uh, a Messiah. So we're a people of hope. We get that. We even pray prayers of hope. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here and now as it will be then. We say prayers about give us bread, which is a hopeful request. We ask prayers about those things, about life. We say things like resurrection. We use words like new life. All these are hopeful words. So it should come as no surprise as people of hope that we are people defined by resurrection, by new life. But sadly, we're also people. Raise your hand if you're a person. Right, right. So we're hopeful And we love these ideas of um, forgiveness, but um, we hold grudges, right? We want, we hope for forgiveness, but we practice. Sometimes some people are unforgivable. No, that's not what we hope for. We hope that we're forgiven. We hope for everyone to be fed, but I want to make sure I'm fed. I didn't get a belly like this by not making sure I was fed. We hope for resurrection and new life, and at the same time, we're confronted by our own mortality, mortality of others. This week was very challenging. Um, I don't, it's not in our prayers, but the Casey family uh, lost Lori, which is a surprise to the family, and we were confronted with that reality. That although we are a people of resurrection, eternal life, new life, someone faithful who should be alive is no longer with us. And as I mourned with people, as I saw the Bible babes who are used to seeing Lori week after week and we prayed prayers and we remembered what it meant that she was with us, it broke our hearts and still there's that message of hope. Because I'm reminded specifically of Paul's writings in 1 Thessalonians, we do not mourn as people, as those without hope. Lori is gone. 
Yes, but Lori is never really gone. As we gather at this table, we break bread with her. We share in communion with her, uh, along with all the saints. We do that and proclaim every week Christ crucified. And every week we proclaim Christ risen as well. At this baptismal font, we say, just as Jesus died, we'll die a death like his. But just as Jesus was risen, we will be risen like he is. An unbelievable story to hear in the midst of death and defeat that we are to be people of resurrection and victory and triumph, which is hope. I think I can say safely in the post-Tom Brady era, again, that I'm a Buccaneers fan. You, you should sympathize as other fans of a losing orange team. Uh, yeah, yeah, careful. They, actually, you guys are winning right lately, right? But still, no Super Bowl. Bengals, no Super Bowl. Which is why I find such a kinship. We lose a lot as the Bucks too. And there's this thing about hope that's written by many sports pundits. And I'm sure the Bengals fans know a lot about. You don't plan with hope. You don't bet on hope. Because the Bucks, I don't know if this is true with the Bengals, always win the offseason. They do great in getting new talent. It's like hope prevails. We're going to be so good and then. <laughs> that's hard. That's hard for me. And that's why I understand that message. Hope is not something you bet on. Hope is not something you, you risk everything for. Hope is not wisdom. Wisdom, they say from Sport Pundits, is about things you know. Things you know. And I worry that our faith, although it's supposed to be defined by hope, is not defined by hope. I worry it's practical. I worry it's about the same as sports, what we see, what we understand. Hope is a four-letter word. I'll elaborate. We practice what's practical. Who here doesn't feel like at times they don't know who God is? Why is this happening, we ask? Why did God do this is a question we ask. I thought I understood who God was. Heck, it says that, uh, don't be troubled. Who here is not troubled? Right, everyone's troubled. So obviously we're not people of faith. So it also says, people of faith, you can give away your jacket to somebody if somebody asks for it. Okay. More than that, you should give your shirt too. All right. Well, it's getting cold practical. That's not practical to do that. And we fall short. We stumble. Instead of leaning into the hope that God will provide, I do instead what I know is safe, which is a safe bet. And look out for myself. I look out for my own strength, my own cleverness, my own understanding, which is not rooted in any way on hope. Just like my fandom of the, of the Bucks and the Bengals now. No hope. Just go team right? Anyone else have that same idea about faith sometimes? I'm reminded of something my dad said. This is not a critique of my dad. This is when he's at his worst. I know a bit about that now as a parent myself. Um, after I have argued with likely a teacher, a coach, or most likely my mom, um, afterwards I'd be like, hey, can I come with you to do this? Because there's this toy there that I really wanted to get. And he's like, I heard today, this happened. I'm like, oh. He's like, last I heard, being good gets you stuff. 
And I was like, ooh. He's like, behaving this way, you see what it gets you. And I'm like, oh, man. And that stuck with me. I don't know if that sticks with you. That's that same practical exchange of being good gets you stuff. And that has been a part of my faith for a long time. I can't shake it. I know it's also how I practice my life. It's terrible, which is to say it's a critique. I know. But really, it's not correct, even if it is at times correct. Being good gets you stuff. I think about when I'm defeated and depleted and I think about faith, I totally think about why is this happening? I should be getting good stuff. I do the right thing. If I do the right thing, I should get good things. My actions are, defi- are defined by that exchange. Anybody else fall into that? You do good things, you should get good things, right? So why did bad things happen? I'm a kid all over again. It's an exchange. And all of this faith is a lot like the disciples who are saying, if you show me the Father, I'll get it. That's all you need to do. Philip, if you tell me specifically where to go, show me and I'll do it. Which is all of us at our worst, right? At work, kids, family, friends. When we're out of ideas, we go, what, God? You tell me. You tell me what I'm supposed to do in order to get this good thing, which again falls back to that exchange, that trade. Maybe if I do the right thing, I'll get it. So tell me what it is. Jesus, show me. And Jesus, in this story, responds with that Jesus-like response. As always, Jesus says, a word of promise, a word of hope that says, You already know. You've met him. You know who God is. You're wondering who God is. You're wondering for this path. I've shown you already. You know this. And I wonder, do I, (laughs) like the disciples, do I know who Jesus is? Am I really aware that Jesus is inviting me to something beyond an observance? Am I really aware that Jesus is inviting me into a promise that I'm actually, just as I am, loved? That's hard to believe. Am I okay? Do I understand that Jesus is inviting me into a story of redemption and grace? We're Lutherans here, majority, right? We hear grace a lot. Grace is uttered a lot. So for those of you who would like a little help, myself included, one of the things that was most helpful for me was hearing grace defined as unmerited favor. Simple. Simple explanation of it. The simplification of the word grace. Unmerited, which means we do not earn that love, which throws that exchange idea right out the window. There's one thing you hear today, hear this. When we do the work of practicing our faith, a hopeful faith, God will do more than we can ever imagine or hope for because it's worthy in itself. We don't follow Jesus with a hope that Jesus will like us more. We don't follow Jesus in this tradition of Lutheranism because we're like, this seems like the most likely way for me to get to heaven. No, that's not why we do this. We don't even give money to the church because, well, that's the way you feed the poor is to give money to the church. That's how you feed somebody who's hungry. That is a what? 
in terms of what happens. This church is notorious for giving money to people who are hungry, who are in need, helping our brothers and sisters. Service is a huge part of our identity. But that's the what, not the why we give. Why we give is because Jesus and God together provide. It's a testament of promise, whether it's loaves or fishes. I just talked to the preschoolers about loaves and fishes and multiplication. Whether it's um, the Good Samaritan story that I talked to the Taft kids about. God provides when we give what we have. God multiplies it. God's able to mend that person who's in need. God's able to multiply these fish and loaves that are only given a little bit. But Jesus asked the question, what do you got? They say, a little bit. He goes, that's enough. That's enough. We give for that reason. Why we follow Jesus is because we want to be a, be a part of something that's going to change the world, which is a promise. It's going to change the world. Why we follow Jesus in this tradition is because, sure, absolutely, it feeds people. But it also feeds that part of us, that spiritual need, that matter of the spirit. It feeds generosity. It feeds more than a belly. It feeds our hope for a world restored. There is nothing like this kind of movement. Nothing like it. Nothing like this kind of work. The church exists to be transformed. We actually pray a prayer about it. Your will be done as it will be. Now, as it will be then. We're literally praying to be changed, to be a different reflection of life and love. You exist to be in transition. We ask for God not just to remake us, but to remake the world, to remake the church, to be more reflective of a table that says all are welcome, despite our behavior sometimes that says no. That's why we say all means all. It's practice. That's why we say that. It's a practice to teach us something about loving our neighbors. When you seek to follow Jesus, we are following a hope revealed in a promise of Jesus being a part of this thing. And in being a part of this thing, it will result in greater things than what we've seen. For that I say thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for that promise that remakes us over and over to be reflections of hope and life, for the opportunities to love our neighbor. Thanks be to God for a community of faith that's seeking regularly, praying prayers that say, change us, transform us, be a reflection, help us be like you. Life eternal, sure, that's the hope, but right here and now, we want to live into that. Hope. We want to live into it here and now through a daring confidence of faith, through radical generosity as I have encountered through the HDF program and as I know I'll encounter over and over again from these people of hope and promise who walk in that long obedience of discipleship. Again, I say thanks be to God. Amen.